you are inviting as we delve into the unhinged. Well, it ain't working now, Frank. the movie line. The grotesque. And the bizarre. Who calls me from out of the pit? Whether you asked for it or not. This is Late Night Psychorama. Dissect, you know, two movies, blah 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 blah. You know. Why don't we just use that? That worry we, we found. Don't yeah, we got it? We nailed it. This is Jonathan. I'm Joe, and this is Andrew. All right, and tonight we're going to be doing Nightmare. Prepare yourself for the most intensely shocking motion picture of our time. <laughs> Nightmare. A.K.A. Nightmares in a da- Is it Nightmare in a Damage Brain? Nightmares. Nightmares, plural. And the green slime. Growing and spreading beyond the warped imagination of the greatest human intellect. Exploding in unspeakable horror. The green slime. Two uh, cult favorites. So it's been a while since we did this, so we figured we'd open back up with like two movies that have a, uh, a fair amount of love behind each one of them. I, 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 I enjoy both of these movies, and have they both have a soft spot in my heart. But um, <laughs> the idea of, of, of nightmares having a yeah. soft spot yeah, that's, in someone's heart is very funny. It's like, yeah, when you see that, you're like, aw. I love that movie. I know. <laughs> well, I I remember me and my friend Brian. We watched it when we were probably sophomore in high school. I remember we we did the classic Orbit video five movies for five days for five dollars, and we picked up Return of the Living Dead, which was like a staple. That was like one we got every other time because that was a movie you couldn't buy because they never released it like on commercial video. You could only rent it, or or maybe they did but it was just out of print because I know that movie was out of print for fucking years because of the music rights. But, um, mm. we, that was one that we always got and we got other movies, but I remember nightmare cause nightmare really was just like weird. Like, I mean, I even remember both of us complaining about it being boring, but it was still enough like weird atmosphere and nice gory shocks to keep us like going. And there's just like a fucking haze in that movie that works. That like I'll, I'll always, it, it works yeah. because it was one of those slasher movies that was made for like the grindhouse raincoat audiences and not like the multiplex ones like My Bloody Valentine. It looks but, sleazy. Yeah, like, it just, like it, fit, like the filth it, is yeah, just like, on the movie exactly. And you feel it's one of those like it comes out of the screen. Yeah, um, like it, it fits in more with like Maniac and New York Ripper than it does with you know Friday the Thirteenth or The Burning or Terror Train or something like that. What I like about that being an early 80s movie, it still kind of has like the 70s look, mm-hmm. but it's like you just see kind of like the 80s on the horizon, you know? Yeah. I, uh, if you watch like a movie that's like in the beginning of any decade, usually it still feels more like it belongs in the decade right. previous. That. Like most movies, like um, 
or you know, uh, like if you watch '80s movies, '80s movies don't feel like '80s movies until like the mid '80s. You know, like a lot of eighty early '80s sure. movies still feel and look a lot like '70s movies, and. Uh, and as you go on, it gets more into... Yeah, same thing with 90s movies. Like, yeah. there's early 90s movies that look and feel like 80s movies still. You know, like, it takes a little bit for, like, that decades, whatever it is that makes it, like, look like one yeah. of them to kind come of like in. like, define itself. Joe, would you like to describe, for people who do not know what Nightmare and Damaged Brain is, uh, would you like to describe that movie? A synopsis, if you, if you please. The synopsis of... Nightmare, a.k.a. Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, is that uh, we have George, who is having recurring uh, nightmares and visions of uh, a childhood incident with a lot of bloodshed, and uh, he is the perpetrator of the bloodshed. And as an adult, we see him in the first five minutes of this movie, I think, scream quite a few times. Um, which is uh, kind of funny. Like, if, if it had continued, you could probably almost play a drinking game with him screaming. He uh, he's in he's in a hospital, and he is released from the hospital allegedly uh, cured of everything wrong with him, which, of course, you know, is not true because there'd be no movie if that was true. And he then goes searching for his ex-wife and the children and murder and sleaze abound. Do they ever explain why he goes after his, his wife and kids? It's always, it's at the end where he's like, that's my husband! And you find out, like, oh yeah, I guess they're related. But, uh... There's nothing really in there. No. Who cares? It's only kind of vaguely hinted at. Uh, we so should. Wait, does he? You said he is. Does he escape from the? Uh, no, yeah, he, they let him loose. No, he he's released. Yeah, okay. as being cured. This yeah. movie, I uh, like. I, I liked it a lot, but um, I mean, following it was a little challenging for me. So I don't know. I felt like. Well, we forgot one part. Um, in the house, well, he's in the uh, asylum, which was right. filmed in a real asylum, apparently, uh, in New York. And his family lives in Florida, so he has to, like, venture down to Florida. He drives down, and of course, like, he murders people along the way. But um, he has a son named CJ, and his son CJ likes to play pranks that involve uh, murder and mayhem. So it's sort of like the boy who cries right. wolf, wolf kind of story. Yeah. And one, the original shooting title of the movie was called Dark Game or Dark Games because it was supposed to allude to the fact that he was always playing like these little pranks and eventually it was going to catch up to him, mm-hmm. which doesn't really pay off at the end because at the end, the killer shows up and he just shoots him. Like It's never like, yeah. oh, hey, you know, that kid down the street is playing one of his pranks again. Yeah, it's a sign of growing up. Yeah, CJ's know. really... Really capable with that magnum yeah. too, and the shotgun. <laughs> yeah, he's fucking like, um, yeah, he was like he he nailed every shot. But um, the 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 killer in the movie, he's a part of an experimental program, like a drug program to like suppress his homicidal rage, apparently. And the director got the idea for the movie by reading a article about uh, drug experiments done by the CIA CIA on schizophrenic people. And that's where the whole thing and the director 
Romano Scal Scavellini. I'm I'm butchering that name. Scavellini. Let's call him Romano. Let's just call him Ro. <laughs> Romano was apparently a protege of. Can you believe it? Federico Fellini. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. Which does not show one one <laughs> no. frame in this movie. No, there's actually some inspired shots in here. Um, you just by the time you get to a lot of them, your brain's just numb from watching people walk around the house. That you don't really. Um, but what should be really discussed is the gore, which is, you know, it, it happens. All the murder scenes are are, are competently done, but. This movie got in some trouble because Tom Savini supervised some of the effects and he was adamant that he did not want his name on any posters or production materials. And yeah, because according to, to him, I think he said he was only just there for one day. Mm-hmm. There's only a picture of him um, in the in the production stills once, and that's for the famous bedroom decapitation scene. But lo and behold, when they first released the movie, they put his name all over the posters, and he oh, yeah. sued and got really pissed off. But the director claims that he did all the effects, which I'm pretty sure is bullshit because everybody <laughs> else, like one guy says he did some effects here, and uh, one of the producers says no, this guy did this effect over here. Like it was like a mishmash of people, mm. and so eventually they decided like, oh hey, let's get Tom Savini. Because it was 81, that was, you know, post-Friday the 13th and Dawn of the Dead, which Tom Savini's name on a poster meant something to, like, some splatter movie kids. What did he do with the movie? What, like, what, what did he, he just do? supervised one scene. Yeah? Just the bedroom Apparently, scene? that's what, according to him, the, the bedroom decapitation wow. scene. Well, it's funny because, like, the, the blood and the splatter in this movie is really fun. And yeah. it's like, it, there's a lot of it. Yeah, like, each murder has a lot of, you know, of the good stuff, you know, What I love is around. when uh, the first girl gets her, her throat sliced open and, like, you just, they zoom in and you just see, like, the gurgling of the open Oh, wound. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that works out well. So, one thing I don't get is, I guess it's, like, the timeline of uh, the movie, like I thought, when he was going up to all the the like the 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 kinky place with all yeah. like the peak sh- the peep shows and stuff, yeah, I thought that was like an earlier part of his life. But it was, I guess nice. that's like day one released from the nut oh, house. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I'm gonna go check out some you know yeah. like some sleazy like little you know you know what's terrific place. if you watch them tracking him. Well, like they're he's walking down Forty Second Street and the camera is following him. Everybody that walks past him looks directly at the camera. everybody everybody, like not just like one guy but like everybody's like oh these guys are clearly having a camera hanging out of their backseat of that car filming this dude walking around the it's i've never been to uh a a place quite like that where he goes with the the peep shows in the back room back in the day that's what 42nd street was that was the whole city block i love the uh coin operated uh window so you can be like a peeping tom and like the window, once you're like thirty seconds runs out of the window, just like closes. In, yeah. <laughs> and like everyone, as it's closing, they're trying to get like one last yep. glimpse. Trying to. <laughs> that was such a weird. Scene. That was uh, and and Forty Second Street was like that until the early '90s, I think, when when Rudy Giuliani kind of fought hard to, to get clean it cheap. up. Well, I mean, it's right next to the Port Authority Station, yeah. so a lot of people, if you showed up in New York for the first time, that. Is what you saw. First yeah. thing you saw. Yeah. Welcome I, to New York. Yeah. It's like porno movies, exploitation movies, whores, junkies, uh, <laughs> everything yeah, that. New York. Yeah. 
But nowadays, I remember uh, I was in uh, New York City in July to see the Mario Bava retrospective they had. And I walked because I had I was taking the bus back from Port Authority and I walked down 42nd Street. And of course, it looks like a fucking shitty mall now. But I just tried to get that essence. And nah. it's gone. Yeah, it's it's gone. gone. It's not dirty enough. There's so many movies that like take place on that street that I can watch all day. Even if the movie's fucking terrible, I still can just look at that world and pretend. On the new pieces Blu-ray, there's a whole uh, documentary on just that 42nd Street, and um, there's cool. there's a great book called Sleazoid Express, and it was a guy from back then just reviewing all those movies that he saw. But he was like, he's also like reminiscing about each theater too, and like this one's like really weird. Or like this one is like you know has an old balcony, you know, all because all of the theaters were built, you know, decades and decades par- or prior because there were like you know burlesque shows and and, and stuff like that. Like Forty Second Street, back you know around World War Two era was actually like uh, a bit more highfalutin. It was a bit you know, and then that just decayed until what it became in the movies we enjoy. Interesting, you know. Um uh, I was in New York City. Uh, it was like ten years ago, maybe, maybe even longer. And um, there was like this joke shop, like this joke magic shop, right on Forty Second Street, mm-hmm. or at least it was on the way to Port Authority. And so, um, and I'm like looking in the window, and I'm like fifteen years old or sixteen years old or maybe I was like seventeen, and looking in the window at all this like magic shit and like joke stuff. And this guy comes up to me, and he's just like, "You want." Like you want the good shit. Like you want like follow me, I'll take you to the good stuff. And I just kinda like was following him a little bit, but then like I realized he wasn't talking about like magic stuff. <laughs> like, I thought he was gonna take me to this other place that had like the real, real good magic. Good stuff. magic yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the cheap shit. We got the fucking Houdini stuff down here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh wait, we were talking about a movie, weren't we? We just went down in the fucking forty second street. Yeah. All right. So uh, anyway, the um, uh, near the movie, they find the corpse of that young uh, was it like the babysitter? She's she's in that chair, and you see those rats, right? Well, the rats were white, but the director didn't want them white. So the reason they're wet is because they just poured cold coffee on the rats, <laughs> and that's why they have that shit brown color. Like it's just like, and it doesn't work. It's clearly a fucking wet white rat. Yeah, it's like soda <laughs> cotton. You know, like it climb climb through like a, a coke bottle or something. Yeah, but uh. That was one thing I, I read. There's a few things I nerded out about researching the movie. Um, also, uh, a lot of the actors, like, so they couldn't really afford much. Most of the people involved were just like the crew, and they would just give them like a line or two. And all the cops in that one scene where they find the bodies, they're all real cops. That's why they their dialogue is really wooden. And, and New York seems to have a history of cops. Being in well, this movies. is the Florida stuff. This is, oh, uh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. I wonder. That's surprising because I know the one cop is walking on a roof just with his gun in his hand, yeah, just like gripping it all weird, just like no, he's that <laughs> like that's they the were all real cop, yeah, I guess, or whoever. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really have much to do, you know, enough to I could just be like, oh, we're. I mean, it was it was not shot in like Miami or someplace where, yeah, you know, it was like near like, like a retirement Kissimmee area or some weird part of Florida. They said the, the in the movie it takes place like in D- Daytona Beach, but that's not where they filmed it. They filmed it in like some shitty redneck area. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the guy's scream? Like, 
Oh, the, the 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 guy. Yeah, the the George. I guess he, the name. Listen, he's terrific when he foams at the mouth. That that scene <laughs> freaked me the fuck out when what? I was a kid. Out of all the things in that movie, or when he was on oh that on the, the weep show scene, right? Well, they, he does it a couple times. Yeah, but the the one he's on the phone like in his face yeah, and everything. like it comes out of his nose. That's dedication. <laughs> Like he he's like talking to the phone on the phone in the bed. And he rolls over. He does a roll and then just starts spurting out fucking foam everywhere. I think he only was in one other movie, right? The main, the yeah. the killer. I you'd know more than I would. Was he? Yeah, I think he's only got like two or three. Yeah, I don't think credits. Any, really anybody uh, career took off after this. The director, <laughs> Ro, he has a Vietnam movie from the late eighties called Dog Tags. That I've been meaning to see forever. Yeah, I think that's the other thing that he's in, actually. Oh, it's, it's that guy too. Yeah, I think so. The director. Yeah, I, I I thought it was just like so. It's apparently like a violent, gory macaroni combat nom movie, which you know is right up my alley. <laughs> but um, this movie is known for. Do you know? Are you aware of the video nasties craze in England in the in the eighties, Joe? I'm sure you are. Well, of course. This is the only movie that got somebody in that craze <coughs> sent to prison. This movie was when they did it in the when they released it in the United States, they cut three minutes out. When they released it in the UK, they cut an additional minute out. And when they released it on video, the distributor, a gentleman named David Grant, decided to put that minute back in. Oh like, uh, yeah, you know what? I think I've heard this story. Yeah, and he got eighteen months in prison. <laughs> For releasing nightmares and a damaged brain on video with an extra minute oh, in it, they weren't fucking around. No, with they the, weren't. With that's, the that's fucking delete deranged to me. Like, oh yeah, I released a cheese ball sleaze bag slasher movie, and uh, I did hard time. You know, like that's just ridiculous to me. I just looked it up. He is in Dog Tags. Is he okay? Yes. His name's Bard Straffen. Baird Straffen. Pronounce his name for me. No. All right. Such a weird guy. The whole I wonder if he did the actual screams that are on. Probably. Uh, I mean, he I can't he, get over that. It was co- it was quite annoying actually and they kept on like surprising uh-oh. me every time like where he's like trying to that the girl who I forgot that he murdered, right? Like that and uh <laughs> like because it's like 25 minutes later he decides to bury her in the beach and like and, and I got an interesting story about that scene, but go on. Go on. He just like is going to bury her and all of a sudden he just grabs it and just like gives this loud scream and I'm like oh there it is again like okay so one of the people involved with the movie their wife or husband or one or the other worked at NASA and they knew a rocket was going to go off so they staged that scene where he goes nuts on that beach he goes down on his knees and starts screaming with a rocket taking off in the background well, you don't see the rocket no, at all. No, at all. no, no. It's so dark, and I think like they, the rocket didn't even go off. Like they, like the 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 yeah. launch was delayed or something. It didn't make a whole lot of sense why that scene was in there. So yeah, now they were like, trying to get like production value of this rocket going into space while he's screaming on the beach. Even it's, so, it's like that's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, but like you said, just production. Yeah, value. exactly. Yeah, that was probably the main thing. Yeah. But um. You know what what's a really works and I think what gives the movie a grimy atmosphere? It doesn't seem to have too much typical studio movie lighting. Like it looks all very natural. Like it like when you know it doesn't look like like um 
the house, like the, the the mayhem scene in 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 the end, the climax. Like it doesn't look like it's staged like a like a typical movie. Like it doesn't. It looks like it's all real lighting. Yeah. Like um, kind of like gorilla. Yeah, exactly. A very cinema verite style. Like when he goes into the porno shops, like they didn't set lights up; they just walked the camera into a porno yeah. shop. And I I like that a lot. And I think it, that's what helps give it its grime. You know. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like you're in it with. Yeah. Them, you know. But yeah, the movie's definitely. Uh, the more polished the horror movie gets, like yeah. the less like nasty and dirty it feels. Right. Yeah, and this one's definitely not polished. But it's got enough, um, maybe not polish, but I mean, clearly they knew what they were doing, though. Oh yeah, 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 it. yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm not talking. I'm not complaining about how it's done. It's just like the way it's done worked. Like to give that filthy. Well, when the when the, it flashes back and it shows him like when he kills his dad and his his mistress the first time. That's awesome. Yeah. You see him burst into that shed to grab the axe, and you see all those light like pouring out of those um like the fence. And it's these beams of light. It, it, it works well. It looks cool. It looks neat, but it also still looks grimy. You know, it, it doesn't. It's there's no. What's the, what's the like post production? You know, pizzazz thrown in there. That decapitation, by the way, <laughs> is wonderful. Actually, yeah, the whole uh, yeah that whole final scene is great. When they filmed that, they had three severed heads, so they had three ways, three chances to get it right. And apparently, they put so much grue on like the first or second time they did it, the kid waxed the severed head. He was using a real axe, by the way. That's why he's like so <laughs> uncomfortable with it. It wasn't like they gave him a fake axe. Um, it had so much like whatever it is on there that it hit the wall and it stuck the severed head got stuck to the wall it just like stuck with the fake blood or whatever um also (laughs) um also who do you think is the better axe wielder this kid or the kid in the beginning of pieces um are we talking about the quality of the work or the actual just how they handle the axe uh if we're gonna go handle the axe i'm gonna go with the kid from pieces because he really gets into it like that kid that's what i would say yeah like he they they made him mad before they gave they gave him that axe and mannequin to fucking chop the shit out of yeah uh there's a funny like still with the director showing the kid like like yeah, how to come down with the axe. That was funny, but yeah, that whole scene. Yeah, that's the awesome. that's the one scene Tom Savini was involved with. Oh, so yeah, you're right. That's it's it. it's yeah. part of the. I forgot that it was since it was split up. Yeah, in the well, that's that's what's neat. I like how it has that editing where it like splices around different places. You know, it's it doesn't just have that straight narrative. It has that like early seventies, you know, um, jagged editing. But I mean, like, it, it, it just, like, goes around, like, it flashes from different, like, scenes within scenes, just bouncing around, which works. Like, I mean, the movie's about a schizophrenic, so I guess it, it shouldn't just be, you know, completely Yeah, given what what it is, it, it, it kind of works yeah. that way. It's just, like, flashing from different places all the time. How about the uh, babysitter getting uh, stabbed in the back? <laughs> Do you remember that scene at all? 
It's, it's you part know, of the end. it last night. I, didn't multiple babysitters die in this movie? No, it was like the main one who was getting like railed in the end of the movie. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I she, don't know. There's just the stat like. <laughs> They did this like close up of her just like the, yeah the I know exactly just, what you're like, talking. it's like an ice skin. pick yeah yeah and when he goes out the door they they steal the shot from The Shining with with Jack Nicholson like where the the, the camera's <laughs> yeah, beneath that's true. him yeah 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 but bottom line there's a lot of blood in this movie and uh, I actually love the mask he's wearing at the end like it's yeah. actually really creepy and kind of like unnerving <laughs> yeah when it when he puts the mask on and it kind of turns into like an actual like slasher movie yeah it 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 has it, it gets a little extra something during yeah. that se- segment um joe tell me the first time you've ever seen this movie i know you've seen it before we talked about it the first time was probably like what year are we in 18 probably probably like 15 years ago something like that okay on a shitty vhs tape we orbit video had it and it had the big box and it had him slashing the girl's throat like a still of that as like the front cover and like i knew that movie meant serious business when i read it like oh shit this movie's gonna be raw i i don't even think that the the tape that i had even had a cover to if if i remember correctly because i i had racked up at one point a whole bunch of tapes, not just from that point, but from like some years before that. But like that was when I, I was in like full like lunatic mode yeah. with, with, with VHS tapes. And that was one of the ones that I think I didn't even have a cover for it. I just had the tape. Yeah. Andrew, this is the first time you've seen this movie. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> would yeah. you recommend this movie? I would. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of rough around the edges, and it has some pacing issues. Yeah, but, uh, that's that's the number one. This movie is an hour and forty seven minutes long, and it could have easily been forty. But I mean, you want a ninety minute movie, so I don't understand why they added the extra seventeen minutes. Yeah, if it if it was just tighter, it would it would be like you, there there would really be no problem with it. Honestly, do you think do you think you would lose some of that weird haze though if it was? No, I don't think so either. I mean, most of the shit is just him driving a fucking car. Well, yeah, that's what, there's a, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of uh, just people just doing dumb stuff for too long. Yeah, and yeah, it's like they like not needed. It's that typical like pad out the runtime. You yes. know, like it's the cur- it's yeah. the curse of Kathy. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Honestly, like you can't just have somebody cut to walking up to a, t- a telephone. Like you have to watch them get out of the car, walk into the living room, look at the mail walk into the kitchen and then pick up the telephone. Yeah, I don't get why they couldn't just trim 17 minutes off. It would have made it a lot Yeah, it would, it would have. But yeah, it's and I mean the the gore scenes are are worth it. Are worth it. I mean yeah. just even if you just watch the end of this movie, the last 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. is I mean that's like I, that makes the whole movie worth it. If you're a slasher movie buff, this is definitely like something you should see. It's definitely a lot better and a lot more, sl- especially if you're like into slasher movies that are in like that mean spirited, like maniac style, you know, where they're just, they're, they're not like fun, you know, it's not like fucking prom night or something where it's a bit more, oh, hey, this is going to be for kids. This is going to, you know, uh, you know, multiplex kind of like teenage popcorn eating and then scream and shriek at certain scenes like this is one of those grind house grimy sleazebag people yeah. you know 
He likes collecting panties. Yeah, you know, those type of people. Yeah, like it's it's a mean, weird, sleazy, morally reprehensible movie. And uh, yeah, I enjoy it a lot. (laughs) I second that. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Uh, Anything else to say about Nightmare, a.k.a. Nightmares in a Damaged Brain? Or do you think we no, pretty much just covered I, it? I think we've we've covered it unless you have any other anecdotal info. Well, apparently, according to the production manager, um, after they shot the bedroom scene, which was shot in New York, uh, they threw a lot of the body parts in the trash, which the police found and went <laughs> shit about. I'm not making that up. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's one of those like classic stories. Um all right. Well then, uh, moving on to the next one. We're going to move on to the classic uh, <laughs> Japanese monster, rubber suit monster movie, The Green Slime, which... Uh, yeah, this is a horse of a different color. This is a completely different... I like that, though. I like how we, this is paired up with something that's completely different. Uh, Joe, would you enjoy describing this mo- movie for us? Okay, I'm going to do something that's a, a bit of a cheat. Okay. But there's a reason why I'm doing it. I'm going to read you the plot straight from the Wikipedia page because I think the way that it's written out, it, it, it really hammers the point home okay. as it relates to this movie. Okay. A group of astronauts set out to blow up the asteroid floor, which is now on a rapid collision course with Earth. They land on the asteroid, plant explosive charges, and destroy it, barely escaping <clears throat> Excuse me, being destroyed by the explosion's massive shockwave. Afterwards, they return to the mission staging area, Space Station Gamma 3, in high Earth orbit. Unfortunately, a scientist from the mission has unwittingly carried back a luminous green substance on the leg of his spacesuit, which quickly mutates into one-eyed tentacled monsters with the ability to discharge lethal bolts of electricity. The Gamma 3 crew fend off the alien creatures with their laser-based weaponry, only to discover that the creatures feed off the laser energy, which in turn allows them to multiply rapidly, sprouting even more one-eyed creatures from their own blood. As the creatures overrun the station, the crew continues to fight back against overwhelming odds. The proceeds are further complicated by a love triangle consisting of the two commanders and a female doctor. And I think that that last sentence, coupled with everything previous to it, gives you the weird dichotomy that is going on in this movie, because that love triangle thing has nothing to do with anything that's happening, and it doesn't need to be there, and it's really the only thing about Green Slime that I can honestly say, like, I wish it like would just go away. I, I have something interesting, and it's actually written in my little tidbits. That is not in the Japanese version. That's all cut out. The Japanese version, the, the American version is 90 minutes. The Japanese version is only 77 minutes. Yeah, it good is, for them. It is all killer, <laughs> no filler. Like, like you're like, Wow. I, Little I kids just want to see... They don't give a shit about this love triangle. They want to see fucking spaceships and green monsters and laser guns. And we're going to cut that bullshit out and just go fucking ham. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, it was... Um, Andrew, what did you think of the green slime? I liked it a lot. I mean, I like... 
I like this type of sci-fi. I do too. You know, and um, that that sixties like pop or pulp sci-fi. Yeah. You know, uh, bright colors, cool toys. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, and there are props. Cool monsters. You know, and the the people the the people who play the green slime are Japanese school children. By the way. Oh really? Yeah, they're just little kids in that the works. green monster. You know what I kind of like about the the main character? He's like your your like quintessential, just like alpha male. Yeah, any <laughs> ugly, like gritty, like yeah. Blah, blah, blah. What I love about guys like that is because they just. It seems like the whole world and that they live in is just nonsense to them. Yeah, like, and um, <laughs> I just like where he's he's kind of he bullies people around. He's, yeah, especially the science dude. Yeah, and, uh, he's just kind of like. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just funny because like his surroundings, he's just like t- talking to this science nerd. He's just like, you know, stop your babbling about you know science and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. He's like, now, now pick up your ray gun and get on that space rocket. Like it's just so weird. Well, one one movie this that has a lot in common with this is the thing from another world, where the lead characters in the thing from another world are the military guys. And they're just kind of like no nonsense. Like we got a fucking thing on the base that we got to kill. And it's the scientist guy who's like, Oh, education and learning about things. You know, and they're like, fuck off like, point Dexter. Exactly. Yeah. It's just going to flame throw this shit, shit out. <laughs> yeah. And that's like how, what those two movies, these two movies have in common. They're just like, what? Like, no, we're, this is a fucking, what are we going to learn from slime shit? Just kill it. Yeah. You know, like it's, <laughs> Um, yeah, he literally t- he's like, "This is an amazing discovery. Another light form." He just takes it and just smashes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't take it with you. Yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> like treating him like a kid with. And, a and not even the the other commander that like runs the station. He's like he has feelings and stuff and cares about his soldiers. And the guy's just like, "What? <laughs> like, what? Like you that guy? You know? Like you 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 take your orders. You do them. That's it." And he's the hero. Yeah. You know, they don't be like, oh, wow, that's wrong. Maybe you should have, like, emotions and care about life. And the guy's like, nope. You know, yeah. I do this. Uh, my, my, the movie begins. All right. First of all, the first 30 minutes of this movie is Armageddon, but done much better. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if Armageddon. Ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like. They find all right. First of all, it's in the future where we have space stations everywhere, but they do not realize that this giant comet is cut on a collision course with Earth until it's like a day away. Yeah. Like literally, like when the main guy gets his his orders, it's like, yeah, you gotta stop this giant comet from colliding with Earth. Oh yeah, by the way, it's gonna hit the Earth in ten hours. <laughs> you know, like it's it's pretty pretty quick. Yeah, the 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 previous ten space stations were looking the other way. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, the, the one comet's th- awesome too. Like when they oh. land the ship on the comet, and it's just like bright pink and green. It was great. N- not only that, like when it blows, both of the big explosions in this movie, when the comet blows up and the space station blows up, they do this like multi-angle, like one angle zooming in, one angle zooming out, the other one staying flat, and they just like hit you with all three in like this really rapid succession that like makes it look a lot more energetic than just watching like a miniature blow up. Like he knows. Right. This was directed by Kinji Fukasaku, who's one of my all-time favorite directors he he's done this he's done battle royale which was his last movie um and he thought did a lot of uh yakuza flicks in the 70s are all fucking awesome the battles without honor humanity uh saga was message from space the only other space one he- uh, i know i think he fooled around with something else but message from space was like that was his star wars knockoff right. but like his yakuza flicks are like what people know him for like cops versus fl- uh thugs uh, Yakuza Graveyard, 
Um, there was a there was a bunch of others, um, but those are like the big, big, big ones. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was another one I watched. It, it takes place in Okinawa, which is a lot different because a lot of them take place in like Hiroshima or stuff. But Okinawa has this like snowy atmosphere. Once he nailed the first Battles Without Honor Humanity movie, he was pretty much in charge of the Yakuza genre for, for Toei Studios. And uh, he he has this... His style is very handheld, like William Friedkin, but mixed in with it are these weird like comic book shots, like these weird Dutch angles and stuff like that. And that's what makes this movie work so well. Like it's shot like a comic book, it, and it's like very energetic for for a sci-fi movie from the late sixties. If you watch a lot of these movies, not like the big budget ones like two thousand one, but just like the Roger Corman stuff, it's very dry. the The cinematography is very flat. Kinji Fukasaku, he moves around. His camera moves like the whole movie. It, it, that the Green Slime has more energy than movies half its fucking age. Yeah. And I'll stand by that. What I like uh, some some of the he there's like some shaky cam mm-hmm. uh, and uh, especially in the cockpit scene. Yeah, and um, it sometimes I got dizzy a little bit watching one scene because it literally looked like a shaky cam was filming another shaky cam scene. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it was really it, it was kind of nauseating, but. Yeah, and I love all all the miniature scenes. Yeah, are amazing. Like, they they and, work. And uh, what's really funny is because like certain scenes don't work. Like, um, I feel like them going out into space in their suits and it yeah. just looks so bad. Yeah. It, um. But but like I mean, but then cutting to the 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 ships and the explosions, they're just so clean and just and done well. I I think the the big like fights like in the space station between the military and the monsters are, are shot well. Like the camera's always moving and swirling around them. It's never, you know, like if if you watch like Star Wars, like the first Star Wars movie, so much of it's just like the camera lays down, your is is just like on its tripod, and stormtroopers run past it. Like this movie, no, you're like you're running with these guys, right. you're swirling around. You're, it, it's got it's got a great energy. This movie's sort of like if you ever wanted to see aliens, but with like the kind of production style of Barbarella or Wild Wild Planet. This is this is it. I wonder how many people there are that have ever wanted to see aliens done yeah, uh, that way. It, it, there has to be because a lot of people love this movie. So it's, it's, it's got its following. That would be interesting, though. But yeah, I'm just wondering how oh, many no, people no. have actually thought about. You know what would make aliens really cool if it was like a really low budget '60s <laughs> '60s pop art movie? I uh. I um, it. <laughs> I did. I love it. I, uh, I this is this is one of my favorite movies. I I've I've seen this movie at least ten times, and I never get tired of it. I think the um oh actually you know what it goes bar the guy who wrote the the theme song you know that great like green slime yeah. that was the guy who wrote the theme to Barbarella too. I well, guess that, that was his sense. niche for a while. Now I think of it, he's just like yeah, I just do these weird sci-fi <laughs> pop art movies. That's a good good way to put it sci-fi pop art that that's that's very much how you you would describe it what do you guys think of the monster in the movie i think they're they're great the yeah <laughs> I, I think they're well it's funny it's because like uh you can see that they had they had like a. I i feel like they had 
a couple good monsters where the eyes really closed yeah. well and a couple in the background you know that's and, yeah um, that's how you do it but the ones that were done really well look so cool just like it's i mean tentacle monsters with a bleeding eye it was yeah, so cool uh, and, and that's another thing this movie has like blood and slime like there's oh, that one guy who the falls, guy falls yeah, yeah. His, his head has blood everywhere and then they that shoot the really one monster yeah yeah I didn't think yeah, yeah I remember the first time I saw this movie I was just like oh wow they, you know they don't really have too much blood in that but no that guy just gushed blood everywhere and uh, and then they shoot that one monster, and he just like green slime just starts like puking out of his guts. And I'm like, yeah, we got some fucking you know some some grew in this movie. Yeah, with the monsters, it, it, there's kind of a weird um, like juxtaposition of how you're looking at them, I guess, because at a glance they just look goofy and cartoony. But if you really home in on them and really like the longer you stare at them they kind of start to become kind of nightmarish yeah yeah the the um when they do like the zooms uh like when they like zoom in on them real quick when they pop out of nowhere yeah they they're a lot more menacing than sometimes when you just see like a bunch of them just like walking around flapping their tentacles around they look like there's a there's a third doctor uh doctor who episode called curse of peladon with a mo- with a character named Alpha Centauri and they look like the monster versions of her like it was just this like one-eyed like lady who talks like this it's like friendly like ambassador of planets but like the green slime or like the evil you know lycanthrope version of her <laughs> and this movie um to go back to call back to uh, Cannibal Apocalypse, directed by Antonio Margariti, who made a series of gamma ray movies, or I forget whether gamma, the space station from this movie they retitled it Gamma Three, but it's the same one from all his movies like Wild Wild Planet. Um, I can't remember the names of the other ones because I don't, Wild Wild Planets are actually the only one I've seen. the The other ones are apparently are almost as good, but this was like an unofficial sequel. It has the same writer or like there's somebody left over from the uh besides the prop besides the space station's prop like the writer or something they wanted i actually antonio margariti was like asked to do this movie but i forget why he turned it down is the gamma one series gamma one that's it i'm actually kind of glad I mean, even though I, I, I like Margarita, I'm actually kind of glad that he didn't do it. Yeah. I, I like that. I like Margarita, but Fukusaku, like like I said, is one of my favorite directors. And he, his energy is like, he doesn't look down at this movie at all. Like, this movie is shot the same way as one of his, like, serious Yakuza right. movies. Like, it's like, no, it's a fun, exciting adventure. And it's so innocent and charming too, you know. And that's that's why uh, it's a it's a weird pair up with Nightmare and a Damaged Brain, which is like a very sleazy, grimy, cynical movie. This movie is a very you know no, it's innocent. It's a, it's a it's a a movie from a very far away time, you know. We're talking a time period now where we have a, like a mass shooting every two days. I know this this is a very yeah. It takes you far away from that. It's just ray yeah, guns and monsters. Yeah, and and just sweet like it's just it's a sugar pop movie would you recommend the green slime of course yeah. uh-huh i can't yeah I, I i wouldn't trust somebody who couldn't have fun watching this movie yeah you know and the the two movies themselves they are interesting double feature and i like that because sometimes when you get 
a boring horror movie or something like that. And yeah. You, uh, paired with another boring one, you just kind of like, you know. I love horror movies. There's nothing worse than that dreary, boring horror movie. Yeah. You know, it's just like, uh, can we have some fun? And this, evil. <laughs> shut your fucking mouth. But this movie is definitely lots of fun. It is, it is. And I mean, considering the movies that we do, I mean, this has to be the only one from the 60s. Like So far, yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm looking for... Um, I'm looking for more, but a lot of them are a lot more dry. You know, like it's like the seventies that the, somebody really put the pedal to the metal, right? Because it was Night of the Living Dead that really ushered in, you know, the it getting intense, and uh, that was '68. So I don't think anybody really followed suit until like you know a few years after. Uh, anything else? Uh, anything anybody else wants to add? Mm, no. Oh well. Uh. <laughs> it didn't really have any pacing issues. I mean, I think it got. Oh no, the movie's on the whole time. Like, yeah, it, that's true. There's always something going yeah, on. Yeah, like like um, like we said before, how the Japanese edit is, which is like seventy. Like that would have been perfect, actually. Honestly, the, the only thing that I really, I mean, of course, it's like a, a lot of movies where it's like, yeah, if they got the love interest, that whole side yeah. plot out of there, it would have been perfect. And lo and behold. That's yeah. yeah. That's Japanese it. Yeah, so I'm too. the same way. <laughs> I have like no sentimentalism in me whatsoever. I do not give a shit. If I'm watching a movie about fucking green slime tentacle monsters, uh, I'm not in the mood for a fucking love triangle. You know. Yeah. Not to mention, it's not even like it's a particularly interesting one either. No, like it's you, your standard. Yeah. Like and and it's it's very. I don't know. You don't get the sense that any of these people really like each other. They, it's just. I'm shocked anybody likes the main guy ever. Yeah, he's actually both. Uh, that's that is interesting because like both of the guys, there's like two protagonists who kind of like are th- throughout the whole movie are trying to out douche each other. Yes, like, yes, you're absolutely <laughs> right. That you, it's spot on. And it's just like the. It's like I can be more brave than you, and I ended up kind of like not liking either one of them, but. I mean, whatever. They're like the main characters, and I'm just... They're in command. Like, that's how I felt. They are not in command of my heart, however. (laughs) I am looking at Robert Horton, the main character, the main douche, his IMDb, and uh, a lot of Westerns... uh, yeah, they look like they tried to make him real young for this movie, but um, <laughs> he's not. Yeah, <laughs> like we saw through that uh, through that hair dye. He was on a show. <laughs> he was on a show called The Wagon Train from 1957 to 1965. That was like his main fucking pay payday. Prisoner of War. The man is armed. Code two. Um. Yeah, the green slime is the best fucking thing this guy's done. I haven't seen any of these movies, but I'm just going to say it right now anyway. Uh, who's the other guy in The Green Slime? You know, I should have prepared this beforehand, but uh, you know what? Yeah. Tough, tough, tough shit. I'm looking up Green Slime right now. Joe, entertain people while I look this up. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything notable. Oh, oh. Uh, what the heck is her name? The actress's name who plays the love interest. She she was uh, a Bond girl, wasn't she? Was she? She looks like a Bond girl. She was in one of them. I don't remember what which one, though. I'm, I'm pretty sure she is. Wow, the other guy's got a good line. He's uh, the Dirty Dozen, Pat Garrett, and Billy the Kid. I don't even remember. He was in Starman, Sansa Iwo Jima, 
310 to Yuma, the original one. Yeah, well, he wins. Yeah. <laughs> he had a more interesting face, too. Um, Delta Force 2. Holy fuck, he was in Grizzly. Yeah. We might run into him again. Day of the Animals. Oh. Uh, okay. He was in Mako, The Jaws of Death. That's a movie directed by the guy who made uh, The Night of a Thousand Cats, another classic masterpiece. <laughs> he was in Airplane 2, the sequel. Wow. Night oh. of a Thousand Cats is one of my fondest cinema memories. <laughs> Holy shit, I forgot all about it. He was in Chosen Survivors. Have you ever seen Chosen Survivors? I don't think so. It's it's a neat movie. It's not great, but it's it's kind of it's got its own little weird charm to it. It's about these people who um it's the end of the world and these people are selected by a computer to hide out in this military bunker. Well, the problem is is that when they built this bunker, they didn't count on these bats being like so close to it or whatever. I forget why the bats are around, but whatever the bats go on like a blood eating fucking crazy and it's these people trapped in this post nuke bunker fighting bats off I'll that sounds it. pretty cool actually it is I enjoy it and I recommend it but at the same time don't think too highly because it's not that good right. but it's still like a kill it a Tuesday afternoon for me oh <laughs> uh, hang on I'm going up speed trap which has a cool poster hang on let's see what speed traps about action <laughs> now we're at 53 Oh, fuck, it stars Joe Don Baker. After a wave of unsolved car thefts, an insurance company calls in private investigator Pete Nobeck to solve the case. While the chief of police isn't thrilled about having an outsider come... Oh, hang on, I gotta click so you see full summary. <laughs> well... While the chief of police isn't thrilled about having an outsider come and show up his men, one of the officers is a former girlfriend of Nobeck's, of course, who's more than willing to help him out any way she can. After a long and convoluted investigation with false leads, psychics, and the mafia, Nobeck at last unravels the identity of the thief. That sounds boring. (laughs) The poster looked cool. And Joe Don Baker, drunk as fuck, just shouting at people is always fun. Oh, it has that girl from, uh, she was one of Dirty Harry's uh, partners. She was in a television show that my mom watches that's really fucking garbage. And uh, has uh, Roberta Collins from The Big Dollhouse in it. And Death Race 2000. Anyway, The Green Slime versus Nightmare, which is two completely different things. But uh, f- uh, fuck it. Who cares? Uh, you, you're going on a desert island. You can either have green slime or nightmare. I'm going with green slime. I mean, any day of the week, I'll take green slime. Yeah. But I, a nightmare does have its place, you know? Like, it does, but... I, I, there's definitely days where I'm in the mood to watch a movie like Nightmare. Yeah, and, but I'm more in a mood to watch the green oh slime. My goodness, yeah. I mean... When I saw that, yeah, like, I mean, that's... It's a nice... It's Check it out. It's like, I, it's I didn't movie. see the green slime until I was, like, 20. And I kind of wish there was a movie that I caught on TCM or AMC when I was a kid. Because if I, when I was a kid, I would have fucking ate that movie up. Yeah. What about you, Joe? You didn't answer. What? Green Slime versus Nightmare. Or I just wasn't paying attention to you. Uh, no, I, 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 I didn't say anything. Uh, it's Green Slime. Wow. Okay. Three for Green Slime. What if we put the two together? What if you edited the the hallucination footage... <laughs> From Nightmare 
and you you took that out and you put green slime footage in. So the guy just keeps hallucinating about these green tentacle <laughs> monsters and that's what drives him nuts <laughs> to fucking murder people. That would be a terrific because all the hallucination scenes do in Nightmare is just spoil the grand cool ending anyway. Alright, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, see you next time. Open the door, you'll find the secret. To find the answer is to keep it. You'll believe it when you find something screaming across your mind. Freeze What can it be? What is the reason? Is this the end to all the reason? Is it just something in your head? Will you believe it when you're dead? Green slime! Man has looked out to space in wonder for thousands of years Sometimes thinking that life could be somewhere Will you believe it when you're dead? Green slime!